Tough Show. I don't know how I missed this, but I see that Mike Huckabee is quitting his job at Fox News to make another run at the White House in 2016. Now, listen, I'm no fortune teller or psychic, and I know the whole thing is, what, 22 months away, but if I were you, Mike, I wouldn't quit my day job. Exiled by society, friends, lovers, and terrestrial radio. A guy with literally nothing left to lose. For 14 years, he's been telling it like it is. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Yes. Just what the Republican Party needs. Another retread, uncool dad type preaching family values. No, I mean, that's that's really moving the party forward for the 21st century. That is really connecting with the people. I can't understand... Why guys like Barack Obama keep winning. I can't understand why somebody like Mitt Romney, the squarest possible candidate that could have ever run for president. Yes, he had the he had the charisma of the 1960 Richard Nixon. Oh my god. That's really the best the Republicans can do. And I realize, again, we're 22 months away, and I absolutely have no desire to do nothing but 2016 election talk radio here. But really, that's the guy that's going to jump into the fray? And you know, I see Mitt Romney might also consider it. Look, Mike Huckabee lost to Mitt Romney. You lost... It's bad enough to be an uncool candidate, but to lose to an uncool candidate, that's really sad. Like that, <laughs> how does that even happen? Wow. All right. Well, hey. I'm pretty sure the Democrats are sitting there right now going, please run. Please. Please do it, man. You you got to do it. You got to run in 2016, Mikey. Come on. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, welcome in. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show, Monday, January 12th, 2015. And uh, despite my better judgment, I am back again. And um, I, I don't know why I'm even interested in this stuff. Look, again, it is just under 22 months away. And I don't want to sit here and do show after show of 2016 election coverage. You don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. But still, it's weird that the guys that are jumping into the fray first are the same retreads, the same old white guy politics that we've had forever in the Republican Party. I don't know why I would say we, because I'm not a Republican, but the same kind of party politics that they have put out there. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know who the Democrats are going to run, but anybody would be preferable to Mike Huckabee. And listen, I, I'm not here to bash the guy. Uh, he's probably nice enough. Uh, he, he's I know he's involved in the church and he doesn't seem to have any skeletons in his closet. As far as I know, he seems to be a genuine human being, a nice guy. And again, my neighbor is a nice guy, too. You know, I have lo I know lots of nice people that would make terrible presidents. And Mike Huckabee is one of those. Look, I, um, I'm always weary of someone that sits up there and preaches the whole family values thing. And this is another thing. The Republican Party just needs to move past this whole idea of family values and uh, traditional families and all this other crap that they've been peddling for some 20 or 30 years. It's a loser strategy. Uh, it is a, I mean, but for uh, some hanging chads and some weird Supreme Court antics, you, George Bush would have never won in uh, 2000. I mean, you would have lost to Al Gore, which I just can't imagine a fate worse than death. But apparently, yeah, that would have been pretty bad, too. Hell, John Kerry was within striking distance of the White House. So it's not like the Democrats are running great candidates here, okay? But the family values thing is definitely a loser's loser. I hate to tell this to the Republican Party, but um, here in the 21st century, and this is just something I know it's going to surprise many of them, but uh, the... Mother, father, 2.3 kids, dog, cat, and white picket fence is just not the norm anymore. That's just not the way people are anymore. Yeah, that still exists. 
Uh, but there's lots of mixed families out there. There's um, now. Hold on a minute. I, I want the real uh, evangelicals. You better. Um, you better fast forward. You better just plug your ears or something because I'm going to say something here. There's even homosexual couples now. Yeah, there's people. There's like same sex couples, and some of them are. Um, my God, I know this is really stunning, but some of them are even uh, raising children right now. I know. Family values, preaching that thing. That's your. Um, you're preaching that to a depleting, to an ever decaying base. Okay, I, I understand it still plays well in Mississippi and Louisiana and Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee. Okay, I get that. But um, there's more states in the union than that. And in order to win the White House, I don't know, I, I realize some of you aren't very good at math and science, evidently, but um, you need more than like 10 states to win. Um, even if Even if they're big states, let alone, you know, southern states. You actually need more states than that to win the White House. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. The Republicans really, I, I would, if it were me running the party, and believe me, there would be a lot of changes if it were. But if it were me running the party, the first thing I would say is no more uh, old white guy politics. And I don't mean white guy literally. I mean just the same old milk toast politics that you've been running out there forever. Um, and I mean the same old family values, the same old uh, trying to legislate morality, trying to uh, get into people's bedrooms, try to tell people that they can't smoke marijuana or put stuff in their body. You know, that kind of the social side of the Republican Party, uh, like your views are basically all wrong. And I can respect somebody that wants to, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, that wants to raise a, a good, wholesome family. And I can respect good values, but I just don't need them shoved down my goddamn throat. Um, and that's part of the problem. And that's why guys like Mike Huckabee are the same old retread white guy, uncool dad type politics that the Republican Party is just suffocating on right now. And I know, I know they're in control of the House and they're in control of the Senate. And I understand that. There's a lot of gerrymandering that goes on there as well. And both sides do that. So let's let's be real. Uh, but um, it's just the same old nonsense. And you're, you're not going to win that way. You know, maybe it's time. And I realize, look, the Democrats aren't, aren't a whole lot better. They're running people. This is, this is the Democrat strategy to combat the Republicans right now. Uh, we've got a woman. We're running a woman now. Uh, you voted for a black guy, so you might as well vote for a woman. That's what we've got. That's their thing. Like, they'll just throw anybody. Um, we've got diversity, so you got to vote for that. Because if you don't, you're a racist or you're a bigot or you're a sexist or there's something wrong with you. So, yeah, vote for the black guy or the woman or the whatever. Are they a good candidate? Well, who the hell cares? It's a, it's a minority person. So they've got to be a better candidate than the Republicans, which is probably pretty true, actually. I mean, Barack Obama is a, a terrible example because he's a terrible president. But, I mean, just about anybody is going to be better than Mike Huckabee. Just about anybody is going to be better than Mitt Romney. Just about anybody is going to be better than uh, anybody that I see on the ledger at this moment that plans to run on the Republican side. Like Chris Christie, really? Like, uh, look, I understand, but that guy's going to get skewered. He's going to get skewered. Here's a, he's another dude that's kind of like Mitt Romney. He's kind of like a not even a hardcore conservative, but then the Republicans will try to puppet him into the hardcore conservative role, and he just won't be able to sell it very well because that's not who he really is. And then all the stuff from his past and all the things that went on in the state of New Jersey, that whole fiasco, uh, the fact that the guy's 500 pounds, which doesn't bother me, but uh, you know that that's going to just be another point that they're going to they're gonna skewer him on that. They'll, they'll skewer him on everything. So he's out. And really, again, he is another guy that's the same old retread. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't run for office, but he represents that same old mentality. So the Republicans have got problems um, definitely going forward because, I mean, I see this and I just I kind of laugh and I say, you know, this is why every time I vote libertarian um, because Neither side can run a candidate that's worth a damn. You know, I mean, Ron Paul is a good guy. Ron Paul is a, is a good candidate. And 
And he is basically a libertarian that runs on the Republican ticket. And um, he, while he is an old white guy, he does not represent the same old stupid politics of the Republican Party. The guy, first of all, he has a brain. He's a, he's a brilliant mind. Um, even if you don't agree with everything that he says, and even I, certainly I don't agree with everything that he says, but he's definitely a, a breath of fresh air into a party that's in desperate need of it. The guy has good economic ideas. And if you just take the fiscal side of the Republican Party, it's not so bad. You know, the idea of lower taxes, the, the, the philosophy is fine, but the, the execution is terrible. And again, I've said this many times on the show. This is an old, tired line of mine, but really, there's not much difference between both parties. And people will often disagree with me on that, but there really isn't. Both parties declare war. You know, they both parties uh, get involved in the affairs of other nations where we have no business whatsoever. They they fund and fight stupid, frivolous wars. Uh, they both mismanage money. They both spend like uh, like they're insane. I mean, there's really not a lot of difference between the two. Uh, they they say different things, but they do about the same thing once they're in power. I don't think Ron Paul would do the same thing if he were to be in power. Uh, but I do think that um, Mike Huckabee would. I think Mitt Romney would. And Mitt Romney, like, why, if you lose, the, the rule should be, Here's, here's what the rules should be, and quite honestly, and I know that you're gonna people are going to cite examples of where this is not accurate, but the rules should be if you lose as a candidate for president, if you run and you lose, you can't run again. That should just be the rule. Not like an official constitutional rule, but it should just be a rule within the party because, and I know Richard Nixon ran in 1960 and then he wound up winning in 68. I understand that. And I know that... Um, you know, Ronald Reagan uh, made an attempt, although he wasn't he wasn't like the last man standing. He, he was eliminated in the primary. I understand that. Um, I'm not talking about people eliminated in the primary. I'm talking about you run face to face like John McCain, for example. He should not be allowed to run for president again. Well, that and the fact that he's a thousand years old. Um, just like we have a minimum age. I think, first of all, we should lower the minimum age from like thirty five to thirty. We should have a maximum age. No. No 65s and older. And I mean, I'm sorry, nothing against people 65 and older, uh, nothing against uh, that age group. It's just that I'm tired of the, you know what, maybe we'll make it 70. Fine. John McCain is still out either way. <laughs> Even if we made it 90, John McCain is still out. Um, no offense to you uh, elderly, okay, but... Um, and I know you don't even want to be called elderly if you're like 70 years old. I get it. You know, you're you're still youthful at heart, and I understand. But listen, um, if you can't figure out how to work uh, your DVR, then I don't think you should be able to have your finger on the nukes. Okay? I just don't think so. Um, call me crazy for it. Um, you know, if you're more likely to accidentally hit the gas pedal and drive into the convenience store... Uh, I don't really need you sitting there with your finger on the nuclear buttons, okay? Please. I'm not saying that youth is necessarily the answer, but how about middle ground? You know, 40, 45-year-old guy, somebody that has some fresh ideas, somebody that's going to go in there and turn the country around. Not the same old empty platitudes that the, that the Democrats put out there either. Hey, man, uh, hope and change. See, I should run on the Democrat side. I should. Now that I think about it, I should really run uh, as, a, as a Democrat just because I would just go with the whole, all right, uh, vote for me. Why? I'm legally blind. I'm a minority. Uh, hope, change, blah, blah, blah. Well, we like that. That's a great message. You win. And then I just do, you know, completely not Democrat things while I'm in the White House. I just do my, do my normal stuff. And I would turn this country around in no time. I mean, I can run in 2016. I'm uh, legally of age to do so. So why not? I've got some fresh ideas. Well, believe me, I've got fresh ideas. You may not like them, but they're completely new. <laughs> oh, well. 
uh, on that note, thank you very much for listening, by the way. Thank you for tuning in. The uh, Michael Groff Show. Uh, Groff Show at gmail.com. That's our email address. Also, our PayPal address for your most generous contributions. MichaelGroff.com for everything else that is Michael Groff related. I see over the weekend there was a huge rally in Paris following the terrorist attacks last week that killed more than a dozen people and once again fueled an anti-Islamic sentiment all across the European Union. They had a big rally. Uh, various heads of state, leaders from around the world were in attendance. German Chancellor was there, British Prime Minister, blah, blah, blah. Uh, even, even Mahmoud Abbas was there, the Palestinian leader. Benjamin Netanyahu from Israel was there. Uh, so people, the obviously the French President Holland was there. Uh, everybody was there except, you know who was absent? Any representation from the United States. You know, the country that has started the whole war on terror campaign, the country that invades other nations under the guise of fighting terrorism. You know, the country that is uh, that had the largest terror attack in history befall it on September 11th, 2001. You know, that country, that country that could have showed some solidarity, that country that could have been there to to say to the rest of the world, see, we do talk the talk. We're, we're here to support you. We're here to march. We're here to show our support. Yes. Yeah, that country was not there. No representation. Barack Obama, not there. Joe Biden, not there. Uh, anybody from the United States, not there. Well, maybe there were some tourists there. I bet there were some tourists, some people that just happened to be in France. They're like, hey, what, what's that? Is this some kind of rally going on? Hey, let's join in. So maybe, maybe that's what was going on. But other than that, uh, no, there was, uh, there was no official representation from the United States in what the White House, I believe, is now calling an oversight. Yeah, whoops. Way to drop the ball on that one, guys. Nice job. <laughs> Yeah, we just, um, we didn't know. Uh, who who knew that you guys would, you know, be so upset about this terrorism thing? We thought we were the only ones that were, you know, going to get upset after we got hit. So, I, uh, I find it a little bit embarrassing, actually. You know, and this is once again just egg on our face. This isn't just about Obama or anything like that, but it is kind of sad. You know, we had a golden opportunity to really save face with the world, actually show the world that we're not just a bunch of bomb throwers and meddlesome jackasses here. We could have really made a, a pretty good statement. Um, and, and I understand, look, I know we don't really care, I guess, about our image with the rest of the world. We could have done a whole lot to mend some fences uh, had we made an appearance there. And even if it didn't, the only thing it says by us not showing up is that we just don't give a crap about you. And that's really... Um, that's kind of this stereotype that the United States has. You know, we, uh, we citizens of this country, um, the rest of the world sort of sees us as, um, you know, as we don't care and that we're bigger than other people and that we're egocentric. And what better way to show that than by not showing up after a supposed ally of ours is hit by one of the largest terror attacks in that country's history. So I don't know. I don't. Boy, sometimes I swear this administration and, and really this government in general just can't find it with two hands and a flashlight. It's, um, I don't know, it's one of those things. We've, we've been at this for a while. And I mean, Obama's foreign policy, terrible. George W. Bush's foreign policy, terrible. Bill Clinton, well, he had charisma, but I mean, still kind of terrible. We have, we've had just a string of pretty bad foreign policy presidents. You know, the thing is, is people see Barack Obama as this, well, when he first came into the White House, they saw him as like this pretty good guy. Uh, they really looked to him as sort of a, a new face on U.S. politics. But over time, that image has certainly gone back to the same old standard. In fact, some people may even view him even more negatively than George W. Bush because of all the drone strikes um, more drone strikes and you know during the Obama administration than certainly the Bush administration um, and that's just one of those things and of course the fact that 
we had yet another opportunity to really show some solidarity with the rest of the world. And I guess we just couldn't be bothered to do it. So that is why I think our foreign policy, our foreign relations in this country are just, we're just so screwed right now. <laughs> we really are. Um, and, you know, I've never been a big guy to care about that sort of thing. But over the last few years, I'm starting to kind of go, you know, the rest of the world does see us as the biggest D-bag on planet Earth. Well, okay, maybe not quite the same level of, of Vladimir Putin and Russia. But, I mean, we're right up there. You know, our, our image is not much better than that. Our image is only slightly better than Russia and Iran and Syria right about now. Yeah, we're not necessarily gassing our own people. Yeah, we're not necessarily conquering uh, the Ukraine and, and, and just saying we don't give a crap. But then again, I guess we kind of are because, I don't know, we're still in Iraq. We have 170, we're, we're, we have military bases in like 170 countries. So I guess we, we kind of are just that bad. Our image really needs a good makeover. We need a really good PR person. Um, I do not elect me for that. I'm a terrible PR person because generally my attitude is if you don't like it, well, go to hell. I don't really give a damn, but I don't know. We need somebody that actually does give a damn. Somebody that, you know, when, um, when one of our allies gets attacked, at least send some flowers, some chocolate. I don't know, something. Do something. Show them that you care. Uh, we are the uncaring boyfriend to the rest of the world. We really are. Uh, all right. Well, we got a lot more still to get into on the program. Um, we'll uh, we'll do that. I think I'll uh, I'll nominate myself. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'll just declare myself eligible to run in 2016. I'm going to form an exploratory committee to make sure that I can. And then um, once I've decided, um, I will, um, well, I'm going to continue to do the podcast, I suppose. But maybe I'll just run in 2016. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? You're listening to the Zip Code Famous. Hey, that's quite a voice you've got there. You ever think about doing radio? Michael Groff Show. get a second chance in life and they do everything they can to piss all over it. Some people just get chance after chance and continue to prove themselves to be just real douchebags. And that is the case for George Zimmerman. Yeah, I know. I'm talking about George Zimmerman again. Yes. The guy that However you want to look at it, was involved in the Trayvon Martin situation, whether it was murder or stand your ground or self-defense, whatever you want to call it. George Zimmerman, we talked about him. He got into a domestic violence thing about a year ago. Well, guess who's back in the news again this time for aggravated assault? Yep. How come it's, it's like... This guy, I mean, he's just such a creepy looking guy. What woman dates George Zimmerman? Like, you're a woman out there and you're like, man, I gotta date George Zimmerman. He's such a bad boy. I mean, he killed an unarmed black teenager. What a real rebel this guy is. What a real loose cannon. What a bad boy. I know women like bad boys, but come on. You gotta do better than that. You gotta do better than George Zimmerman. Really? Anyway, here he is uh, once again 
Zimmerman was arrested on Friday. This uh, happened um, after, well, he's charged with aggravated assault after he threw a bottle of wine at his girlfriend in Lake Mary, Florida. Don West, Zimmerman's attorney, said <laughs> said that Zimmerman has, quote, not been lucky with the ladies. That's putting it mildly. Uh, by not being lucky with the ladies, you mean kind of beating the hell out of the ladies or throwing bottles or breaking tables or getting restraining orders filed against him. Yes, um, Zimmerman is out of jail on bond. Great. I don't know what judge issues bail to George Zimmerman, but okay. Under the conditions that he have no contact with the victim and give up any firearms that he's in possession of. It's too bad a judge didn't issue that edict uh, a few years ago. Might have saved someone's life. The 31-year-old's purported bad luck uh, includes a slew of domestic violence allegations over the last decade. In 2005, he and his ex-fiancee Veronica Zazo filed uh, restraining orders against each other, each accusing the other of violence. In September of 2013, his then-wife, Shelly Zimmerman, claimed that Zimmerman threatened her family with a gun. This is a guy that, you ever hear you know the expression that Maybe he shouldn't be in jail for X, but he should be in jail for something. Like, this guy is definitely guilty of something. He should be in jail. I, I definitely have any doubts that ever were in my mind about this guy just being a douche. Well, I, he, I always knew he was a douche. Any, any doubt I had about this guy being a, a murderer, being a, just a, a scumbag, have, have completely disappeared. This guy, he should not be out of jail. But I am going to say this as a public service announcement. Women, if you date this guy, I mean, don't you kind of deserve what you get at this point? You know who this guy is, okay? I don't know what kind of smooth talker George Zimmerman is to continue to get with the ladies. I mean, you're, imagine you're a single guy out there and you're going, man, George Zimmerman keeps getting chicks and I don't. And some of the chicks that he gets are actually not even half bad looking. Some of them. How does he do that? I mean, creepy looking guy. Every photo looks like a mugshot photo, even the ones that aren't actually mugshots. I mean, he actually, he just, he's got the mugshot face. He really does. Oh, there's more. In December, his then girlfriend, Samantha Scheib, told officials that Zimmerman pointed a, a shotgun at her face and smashed her coffee table. She later recanted this. She declined to press any charges. This guy... Like he was like in September of 2013, he had a wife. And then in, in December, he's got a new girlfriend. Like this guy, he's going through women like crazy. But if you're a, if you're a guy out there right now and you can't get a chick, just understand a, a, a guy who killed somebody, a guy with a long ass history of domestic violence. <laughs> guy that has multiple restraining orders against him is getting women and you're not. What does that say about about everything? What does that say about culture? What does that what does that say? I don't even know. Okay. Um so again, it just goes on to, through his whole history here. It's it's a long history. So um and I don't even want to revisit the Trayvon Martin thing, but man. Well, he's he must have some kind of smooth pickup line though. I'd just love to know how he continues to land these women. You know, some of, I'm sure somebody's out there just going, you know, I don't think he really did it. He's probably a really sweet guy. And then two months later, she's filing a restraining order after he pointed a gun at her again or, you know, hit her over the head with a bottle or smashed all her furniture or did something, threatened her whole family. You tell anyone, I'll kill you. Like something like that. Again, a guy blowing uh, every opportunity possible. So they had the big rally over the weekend in France. We talked about it uh, in solidarity, um, you know, showing support for the terrorist attacks. Here's something kind of weird. So there's a big photo of, of all these world leaders and, you know, city officials, like the mayor of Paris is in there and, you know, like a bunch of 
heads of state and, and cities and all this are, are gathered together. And there's a big uh, group of them that's uh, all pictured here. But then there is a, there's a fundamentalist Jewish newspaper, some orthodox paper way, you know, deep in the heart of Israel, has cropped out all of the female leaders in the photo, which is really kind of weird. Um, once again, demonstrating that no matter what, no matter the extremes, the orthodox, the hardcores of any religion are are just whacked out of their skulls. Um, here is this orthodox, and I don't know what the name of it is because it's it's you know it's uh, it's Yiddish or something, but it um, it is a there's a newspaper. I'm just looking at the picture right here, and all of the female faces, all of the females have been completely cropped out because I guess in orthodox Judaism. Um, females are not allowed to be pictured or not allowed to be uh, shown or depicted as heads of state or uh, in important leadership position or anything outside of the home or sitting on a crate or I don't know how I don't know how it works. Okay, I don't I don't know anything about Orthodox Judaism. Okay, I just know that uh, it's pretty screwed up that that paper has that, but there it is. So there's something to consider. Um, and I did warn you that after this terrorist attack, or I, I was concerned that uh, Europe would have a, a super overreaction to a terrorist attack, sort of like we did here in the U.S. And while so far they haven't just gone in and starting uh, started invading other countries, they are cracking down on personal freedoms and civil liberties. And uh, it, it goes to David Cameron, the British prime minister, who basically said... Either uh, these app makers who make these messaging apps, uh, either they write back doors into their apps or we'll just ban messaging apps altogether. I mean, this is very much kind of like, well, this is even more bizarre than our overreaction where I mean, we just started, it was like we had these crazy rules for getting on planes or even at airports and we had... Uh, this stupid color-coded system. And we, we just had a bunch of dumb things that came about after 9-11, which a lot of them had nothing really to do with terrorism or 9-11, just, you know, civil liberties, you know, warrantless wiretaps and all that. And you thought that was bad. Well, this is just, this is another fine example of stupidity. Cameron said that if reelected, he would seek to ban any encrypted online messaging apps unless the UK government is given backdoors. Quote, are we going to allow a means of communication which is simply uh, isn't possible to read? Yeah, um, it's called privacy. I know that that's something that a lot of these uh, European nations are are not too familiar with, especially especially the UK. I, I know that they privacy is like going out the window there. But um, my answer to that question is no, we must not. He said that the Paris attacks, including the one last week on a on the satirical newspaper, Charlie Hebdo, um, underscored the need for greater access. The attacks in Paris demonstrated uh, the scale of the threat that we face and the need to have robust powers through our intelligence and security agencies in order to keep our people safe. Yes, once again, we, we compromise personal power freedom and civil liberty uh, for safety under the guise of security. I know because the government would never misuse anything. They would never abuse any power. They would never abuse backdoor access to any of these kind of messaging services. Nothing like that. That would never happen. To be sure, it's not known if Cameron could carry out these threats, but they are part of a global government anti-encryption theme. Last week, a Spanish judge reportedly ordered the detention of several suspected terrorists because they, quote, used emails with extremely secure measures such as RiseUp Server, RiseUp, the Seattle company that offers encrypted email services, responding uh, in a blog post uh, said that security is not a crime. But, you know, you can say that right now, but security is a crime. I mean, if you must have something to hide, if you're encrypting your data, you obviously have something to hide. So clearly they're going with the whole, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear mentality. 
which is just insane. But I'll tell you what, I was really worried about this. I, I wasn't sure that Europe was going to fall into this trap, and then they did. I mean, that's it looks like that's what they're going with. You know, the nationalist stuff in Germany, they're worried about that. But, I mean, going after encryption, that's something that's, uh, yeah, because, um, and, and, you know, people accept this. That's the real problem with it. My problem isn't even the fact that governments are, are trying to do this because, well, that's what governments will eventually do. They'll eventually use their power. They'll abuse their power. That's what happens. It's when people actually accept it and they do it under the guise of, well, as long as I, you know, they might be doing it, but I feel as long as I'm safe, it's okay. And they'd never abuse it. I mean, it's all right. So when they hear about it, you know, that's what they their initial reaction is. Eh, you know, I don't think they'd ever actually abuse that. So I, I'm all right with it. Then later on, when they realize that their freedoms are, are being eroded, when they realize that there's a problem, they, I can't believe it. The government is spying on me. I, Edward Snowden was right. I can't believe it. How come nobody warned me about it? Meanwhile, they were being warned about it the whole time. Well, nobody warned me that this was going to happen. Then... The, the same dumbasses, they, you know, they're outraged, but then after a while they just accept, well, I guess the government's just going to spy on me anyway, so you might as well just let them do it. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just, I guess I'll just take it up the old pooper here. Take it up the old corn chute because the government's going to spy on me anyway. Don't matter none. It's like the three stages of stupidity. First, they're just like, well, I, I, I'm sure they won't abuse it. Uh, uh, it's fine. Then outrage. Why didn't anybody warn me? And then after that, they go, well, um, uh, well, uh, uh, I guess I, I guess they're just going to do it. I guess it's okay. I guess I just, I better take it. That's what you get. That is, that's what you get from um, the people. I mean, if the people are dumb enough to let it happen, I guess there's really not much you can do. I sit here and I'm just a lone voice shouting in the darkness about this stuff. Talked about it right after 9-11. I mean, I've been talking about this for, on this show. I mean, it's a, like going on 15 years I've been talking about this. I mean, 9-11, I mean, th this year, this year uh, coming up in September is the 14th anniversary of 9-11. And it, ever since that happened... Um, on this show, uh, that's one of the very first things I know I was concerned about. And I wasn't the only one. There were a few other people I know of that certainly were very concerned about this. Civil libertarians, uh, people that um, were worried about their civil liberties being eroded. And that's certainly what's been going on slowly but surely here in the U.S. and in Europe. Well, it's happening there, too. <laughs> but the, I never... The war on encryption. Yeah, because if you're if you're encrypting something, you're obviously up to some terrorist shenanigans. Or, you know, maybe you just don't want everybody and anybody to be able to read it easily. I know, I'm going to get a message. Somebody's going to go, well, you know, Mike, it doesn't really matter because anything you put out on the internet, even if it's encrypted, can be decrypted, can be decoded no matter what anyway. So what's the big deal? Yeah, you're right. You know what? What's the big deal? Let's just give up on the whole privacy thing let's just give up on the whole encryption thing let's just let's just let the government do whatever they want just give them carte blanche that's right i'll be like one of those guys hey they're gonna do it anyway might as well let them for reasons unknown you're still listening to the zip code famous michael groff show michaelgroff.com something new every day doing this show. Over the years, I have uncovered a lot of well, odd nuggets of information. And um, if you're planning on molesting a great white shark, don't do it in Australia. That's my piece of advice for the day. Because I didn't know this, but apparently they have a law that says you cannot interfere with 
harass or molest a great white shark. And if you do, it's punishable by up to a $10,000 fine. I didn't know this. Uh, the reason that I'm bringing this up in the first place is, well, not just because I had a, a dream once where, uh, you know, I, I had goals. I had aspirations. I wanted to interfere with, harass, and, of course, molest a great white shark. But now, of course, I can't do that because, you know, I am a, I am a law-abiding citizen after all. Um, but uh, this is brought up because there's a video that's going around social media that shows a bunch of fishermen who, of course, are drinking heavily and uh, they're out there and uh, they are um, well they're harassing a great white shark doesn't look like they were trying to molest it though that's the good news but authorities are hunting for a group of men uh, that were according to this uh, story harassing a great white shark boating off the coast of South Australia a video posted on Facebook shows the men trying to bait the shark which is a protected species while fishing and drinking beer None of the men's faces are shown in the footage, uh, which was filmed uh, near Blanche Harbor off of Port August, uh, Augusta, which is about 300 kilometers uh, northwest of Adelaide. Um, apparently, the officials are still out there. They're hunting him down because these are some rampant, disgusting criminals. They're worse than the terrorists that attacked Paris last week. These these are people that we need to uh, catch immediately. How dare they harass a great white shark? What lawmaker sits there and goes, all right, um, I, I have a bill. <laughs> I have a bill I'd like to propose. Yeah, all right, mate. We've heard you about the molesting sharks one. All right, we'll just put it in. All right, we'll just we'll just uh, fit that right in there, okay? This guy, every session, he comes in, he's, he's wanting to uh, pass a, a law about molesting sharks. Look, we get it. I mean, how, how does that get proposed? How does that get passed? I just want to know. All right. And just when you thought this country was making some strides toward racial harmony and toward stamping out racism, well, then you have to remember that Alabama is still part of the union. Now, look, I've been to Alabama. I was there uh, once, uh, you know, what, 10, 11 years ago. And it's a nice place. Okay. I, I like the people there. I, um, I got along well. Then again, I'm a white guy. So I was able to probably get along just fine there, but it is a different kind of culture. Look, the, I've been in the South. The South is different. It's, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it bad. It's just different. Okay. You have to understand there's, there's different rules. Look, there's a giant, there's Confederate flags that fly in the South. And that's not a stereotype. That's not BS. That, that actually is a real thing. There are places in the South. Uh, for example, uh, right, just like right in Tampa, Florida, there's, there's a, a big Confederate flag that's on one of their major thoroughfares, one of their major highways, huge Confederate flag, like bigger than a, I don't know, a couple stories tall. And that thing just flies there. So I suppose I shouldn't be overly surprised by the following. There's a giant billboard that's, you know, displayed on the I, what is this, the I-59 corridor near Birmingham, Alabama. And the billboard, it's a picture here. Let me see if I can read it. The, it says, quote, diversity means chasing down the last white person, hashtag white genocide. Yeah, this is just outside Birmingham, Alabama. It's being reported also by the website AL.com. It's a news website. Um, they also note that there's a similarity between this billboard, which apparently is put up by some segregationist group, and one that was put up in 2013 that said, quote, anti-racist is code word for anti-white. The website also reported that both phrases... Uh, let's see, this is uh, done by the White Genocide Project. Yes, a group composed of white supremacists and segregationists. The anti-racist is code for anti-white phrase is part of the creed known as the mantra. This was written by segregationist Robert Whitaker in the mid-2000s, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Oh, boy. You know, just 
when you thought it was safe to go back to Alabama. I really honestly thought that we were kind of moving away from this stuff. Thank God I still have this bed, by the way. I thought it was lost, but... The White Genocide billboard is apparently owned by Dire Signs, but no one from that company could be reached for comment. Probably for the best. Well, we don't think there's nothing wrong with just posting something like that. I mean, it's our freedom of speech and so forth. First Amendment says I, I can hate the Negro all I want. First Amendment says I, I can hate anyone that's not white if I want it, which I guess is true. My feeling on all these things and all these kind of, uh, on all this signage and the KKK, I say it's fine. I, I'm, I'm totally cool with them being around. I'd rather they be out in the open, demonstrate their stupidity in front of everybody. That way you know who they are. It's not being done in secret. These kind of dopes can just hang out and do their thing. The president of the Neo-Confederate Group League of the South, Michael Hill, claimed responsibility last fall for the 2013 billboard, according to the news website. Uh, Hill said last year that the removal of another of the group's billboards reading secede on a highway near Montgomery, Alabama, was a Stalin-esque move uh, to squash dissent. Hill had yet to comment uh, on the latest billboard, however. I laugh only because I just... It's hard to imagine that people are that ignorant and that unenlightened. And... Before anybody jumps down my throat, I, as I just said a minute ago, I really don't have a problem with that, with the speech necessarily. I don't have a problem with the fact that he has the right to say it. I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I don't like his message. I think it's just moronic. I think it's the 21st century and maybe it's time to wake up. I mean, these people always say, wake up, white people. But these are the people that actually need to wake up. Um, it's time to really secede. Like... I just wonder in, in their head, like if if they actually did secede from the union, okay, if Alabama just decided we're going to secede from the union, so they become their own independent uh, country or state or whatever, like what do, what do they think would happen? Do they, do they not understand that, you know, any federal funding that they get, which is probably a lot, would uh, get cut off? I mean, anything like that, they would have to be completely independent. They would have to be completely separated uh, from the United States. Uh, they would be... What what is their end game? I mean, is that if they secede, I guess they can set laws that outlaw black people or Mexicans or Asians or anybody that's not white and not, you know, anybody. Um, you have to be white, non-Jewish. That's pretty much who they accept. I mean, and you kind of really have to be Christian, which is the most ironic part of the whole thing, I think. You have to be some religious person. You can't be an atheist because an atheist is... Uh, to them is probably just as bad as a Jew or black or Asian or whatever. I um I I, I really I wish I could understand the mindset. I'm kind of glad I don't, but I wish I could sort of see the psychology behind it. That these people, I mean, you put up a sign that says "secede." I I don't even know. I, I half the time I really think these people are just doing it as a goof. Like it's just one of those really dark awful humor jokes. I, I, I really would think that. I Because nobody could really think like that. Just like people in the Flat Earth Society. Nobody can really believe the Earth is flat. There can't really be people that think that way. Not in the 21st century. Not in an era that we're supposed to be more enlightened now than at any other point in the history of mankind. I mean, you'd have to think that this sort of thought process is out the window. But maybe I'm wrong. Clearly I am because, well, because the state of Alabama still has this. 
And no, I don't think it should be illegal. No, I don't think they should have to take down the billboard. I'm Again, I'm totally fine with it. Advertise yourself. Let us all know who you are. The only thing I say is that the group that's responsible should have to put, um, you know, uh, maybe a, a tag on the, just, just to let everybody know who put that up there. Like we should be able to publicly know who, um, who sponsored the billboard, who put it up there. Is that part of like Clear Channel Outdoor or their iHeart Radio or whatever the hell they're calling themselves now? Is that, <laughs> does Clear Channel own that billboard? That'd be interesting to know. Probably not because it, it looks, it doesn't look very fancy. It doesn't look like a really neat billboard. It's it's kind of, it's big, but it's not massive like their billboards. Can you imagine it's one of those that has like multiple messages on it? You know, it's like uh, you see uh, uh, One Direction coming to the Birmingham Arena, you know, in, in February. And then it flips over. <laughs> Hashtag white genocide. Oh, all right. I'll never get that. I'm totally cool with free speech. I'm totally cool with all of it. Alabama, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's time to think about throwing these people out of your state. I don't know. You wonder where these stereotypes come from. And again, I've been in the South. A lot of very nice, very warm-hearted, very friendly people there. There are actually a lot of people in the South that don't want to lynch black people. I mean, believe it or not. So if you hear this and you're scared of going to the South because you think that everybody there is just going to kill you if you're not white, that's not really true. That's not really the case. A lot of people in the South are actually halfway decent people. But there is um, certainly a faction out there that's quite frightening. And I would probably, if I were you... Um, and I were of a race other than white, I would probably be cautious in driving on country roads <laughs> in uh, relatively unpopulated areas. I'd be a little bit careful. That's all I'm saying. All right. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. It is groffshow at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal address for your generous contributions to this broadcast. We always appreciate that. Groffshow at gmail.com. Michaelgroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. Sign up, subscribe so that every time we post a brand new episode of this show, you will get notification of that. Um, what else? All of our other contact infos there, uh, new shows posted there, all, all sorts of cool stuff. It's all there. The one and only michaelgroff.com. And I, I assure you this, no racist billboards. You know, unless people sponsor them. Then I, I think that's a good question. Would I take money to put racial stuff on my... You know, I, I probably wouldn't. Even I have some standards. I like don't tell anybody that I do, but... I mean, they're pretty lowbrow. They're pretty bottom-of-the-barrel standards, but I have standards, I think. All right, it's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Thank you for tuning in. Good night, everybody.